and amen. Thank you so much. Gosh, um, yeah, like Chris said, I'm Hallie Yancey, and my husband Swayze and I, we moved here just over a year ago. Uh, we are from Austin, Texas. We, we were part of the Antioch campus there, um, kind of like ships passing in the night with the Pletchers. I think we left just a few months before they got there, but that's okay because we all caught up here. Um, but yeah, we were on a road trip in November of 2019, and the Lord just dropped a bomb in the middle of our car and was like, I want you to move to Utah. We, I don't think we'd ever even said Salt Lake City to each other, like, that wasn't a thing in our vocabulary. Um, and so when, when we heard that, we were like, okay, any context, the Lord didn't give us much. We just said, yes, we came. And I think for the rest of my life, I will be, not only because it's biblical, but because of this experience, an advocate for obedience and the reward that comes when we say yes. Because we jumped in, our families thought we were a little crazy, but this has been the most incredible year of our life. It's been just a treasure to be a part of this body. Um, we're excited for what God's doing in this valley and just honored to be a part of it. So, yeah. Um, like Chris said, I am going to talk about encounter today. It is a topic that I think we can all get excited about. We can all rally behind. Um, and I think a lot of times it's connected to worship but I, I just want to say there's so many ways that we can encounter God. It's not just in worship. It's not just in singing. There are just endless opportunities for us to encounter him in everyday life. Um, and as I was thinking about, I think we probably all have impactful stories of when we've encountered God. You, you may be even able to look back and think like, the first time that you encountered God, what that was like, or maybe you have a close friend that you got to witness, like the first time they met him and really experienced like the power of his presence. Um, we all have stories like that. And so I was just thinking about maybe the first time I really truly connected how being in his presence and receiving healing and freedom from him not only affects me, but affects others around me. It was just over a decade ago I was leading worship for the first time um, in that kind of setting. I was at a youth camp in the middle of nowhere in Texas. It was the middle of summer. It was hot as all get out. And we were just this group of college students and middle schoolers. We were, it was just, we were sweaty and we were just like worshiping. Like it was great. It was a, it was a super fun week, but it was the, I think the last night of that uh, week of youth camp. And I'm I, I can still see where I'm standing. I'm standing at the keys, and I've got my eyes closed, and um, we're just waiting, and we're listening, and the Lord just begins to minister to me. He gives me a word that I've never forgotten. It uh, was kind of like a catalyst to just snowball affecting my identity and learning what my identity is in the Lord. And so I'm standing there. I'm listening. I kind of forget that there's anybody else in the room as God's just, like, ministering and healing ministering to and healing me. And um, then I feel like he's like, okay, now I want you to say what I just told you. And I'm like, God, I haven't even had time to process this. Like you just told it to me. And he's like, I know, but you're going to say it. And so still got my eyes closed. I, I get up to the mic and I just begin to share what the Lord had just told me. And as I finish, I open my eyes. Whew, I might get emotional, but I look out and there's just this sea of middle schoolers. Um, some are on their knees, some have their hands raised, but they're all just crying, encountering the presence of God. Whew, sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, obviously, it was like an impactful moment. And so 
in that moment, I, I heard the, I looked out and I remember this one kid's face and the Lord said, that's why you do it. That's why you share. That's why you encounter me. So you can fill yourself up so much with me that it overflows onto everyone around you. So all that to say, our encounters have power and they have a domino effect on our community and on our families. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what it means to be a people marked by encounter. And like Chris said, encounter is one of our blueprint pillars at our church. Um, so I'm just going to read how we describe encounter. We say that we live with a passion for God's presence. Transformation occurs as we get to know him personally and experience him powerfully. So we're in our fourth week, right? Fourth week of First Love Fire. We're going through the book of Ephesians. Um, so we're going to be in Ephesians 2 this morning. So if you want to turn, you can. It'll also be on the screen. Um, we're just going to jump right in and read, uh, starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I read that and I was like, okay, that's it. That's the sermon. Like, we can go home. Like, there's just so much power in those two verses. And um, encountering him just means that we get to receive the reward of his nearness. And this is saying that the blood that Jesus shed on the cross gives us, like, full clearance, VIP access. Like I picture just like a, a key fob and it's like you get into every door, every floor, every nook and cranny of the building. Like you have full clearance or like, you know, in the movies, whenever they walk up to the little screen and I just watched a Marvel movie or no, what did we watch? Raising Dion. Anyways, my husband loves superhero stuff. And so every so often I watch it, but I just picture like we go up and the screen scans our face and it's like, Here's the keys to the castle. Like, you have access to it all. And the miracle of that is that it's his nearness, that the minute we turn our thoughts to Jesus, he's there because of what he did on the cross. Um, so, actually, one more thing that I want to say. I just want to dispel any lie. If there's anyone sitting here that's like, you know, I've heard these crazy stories of people encountering Jesus and I've heard of him. It's like they meet him and in a moment their addiction is gone or their brokenness is gone and he heals them in a moment. But I don't know if, I don't think I could experience that. Like, I don't think that's for me. I think that that only happens every once in a while. I'm just here to tell you that these verses are proof that we all have the same access, that there's no discrimination. Jews and Gentiles, it says, everybody has access. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking, I want a moment like that. Like today can be your day. Amen. Um, so let's, let's jump to the very first chapter of the Bible. We're going to be in Genesis 32. And um, some of you might be familiar with this story, but we're going to be looking at Jacob and specifically whenever he wrestles with God. And like I said before, um, we're going to be looking at what it means to be a people marked by encounter. We're going to be looking at three ways that encounter marks us. And before we do that, let's just read some scripture. So like I said, Genesis 32, verse 24. 
So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not go. I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. So there's a lot that we're going to dissect in this story. Um, But the first thing that we see in Jacob's encounter is that it deepens his understanding of who God is. And I think more than anything, more than, if we were only marked in one way, it would be that because of Jesus and the blood that he shed on the cross, we get that nearness. Like I said before, like if we get nothing else, the whole point of encountering him is his nearness. And the miracle that we get to sit like friends on a couch with the God of the universe because of the price that he paid, like we, we get to be close to him. And I think more than anything we see, I mean, to wrestle with someone like, you know, like you're close to them. You can't wrestle from afar. Um, and Jacob encountered God's nearness. And I think another thing is just that I believe in that moment, Jacob probably realized just how much God cares And just the fact that he would be willing to take the time to meet him right where he's at, that Jacob Jacob was in a place of desperation. Um, If you've not read Jacob and Esau's story, it's a wild one. There's some crazy things that happen, but Jacob just really struggles with his identity. And I think in this moment, the Lord is meeting him exactly where he is. And I think God's not afraid of our questions. Like he's not afraid of our struggle. He's not afraid for us to bring what we're dealing with to his feet. And he doesn't withhold his nearness because of it. Like he welcomes it, right? Um, And I think that night that Jacob learned the links that God will go to encounter us. And the beauty of our encounters with the Lord is that every time we encounter him, we uncover new truths about who he is. And it's like, We were talking about this at Life Group on Tuesday night with the college students. Like, you could go 40 years encountering God, and you're still going to learn something new about Him because there's just so much to unpack, so much to uncover. Um, And the more that we get to know God, and the more that we get to know His nature and His character, the more we understand who He is, this is where the first domino hits because then we begin to understand who we are and who he's called us to be and the calling place on our lives and what it looks like to be like Jesus. Um, And so that transitions us into the second way that encounter marks us. So the first way is that it deepens our understanding of who God is. The second is that it gives us a new identity. Um, In verse 27, God asks for Jacob's name. And like this part always confused me a little bit because... I'm like, you're God, like, you know his name, like, you didn't forget, you know, so why is he asking for his name if he already knows it? But if I've learned anything, it's that 
When God asks a question in scripture, or he asks you a question personally, like you should probably buckle your seatbelt because it's going to be a teachable moment and he already knows the answer and something's going to happen. So God asked Jacob his name. And I think that he wasn't asking his name because he didn't know it. He was asking because he wanted Jacob to give him his identity. And he wanted, it was more of like a confession because up to this point, Jacob's name was associated with deceit and trickery and like, what's the shortcut? Um, Not only that, he was not firm in his identity. He was not comfortable in who he was. The last time, I think it's, yeah, if we go back to Genesis 27, the last time Jacob's asked for his name by his father, he says his name is Esau. And so he's just kind of like, all over the place, identity-wise. And so when the Lord asks him his name, he's giving Jacob a chance to confess, like, this is who I am. This is how I see myself. And then what happens is that Jacob realizes that the Lord is near despite his weakness and that he stayed close despite his identity, and despite all the things that he had done before, that God stayed close. And not only that, so it's like Jacob is expecting a blessing, which is awesome in itself. Like that's, like we couldn't ask for more. But God not only blesses him, he gives him an entirely new identity. And I just want to read what the Lord's response is. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. So God completely resets his identity from that point. Israel literally means he contends with God or he comes face to face with God. And um, I think, honestly, this is my favorite part of this story. Um, So yeah, just track with me because I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you, but it's just, this is so cool. I just love it. It just like, I was like fist pumping by myself when I was prepping. Um, Because encounters with God give us ownership over our relationship with God. So here we go. Like I said, a few verses coming at you. So if we reflect on Jacob's story a few passages back, it's not until after he wrestles with God that he begins to name God as his God. Before that, it's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. He never says the God of Jacob or the God of Israel until he encounters God himself. And so just to prove it in scripture, In Genesis 28, he says, I am Yahweh, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. Then again, in Genesis 32, he says, O God of my grandfather, Abraham, and God of my father, Isaac. And then in 31, again, he says, God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac. The common thread is that it's not until Genesis 33, which is after he's wrestled with God that night and received a new identity, that does he say, God, the God of Israel. And he begins to take God as his own. And I think as I was reading that and just like digesting that, because I'm like, wow, that's so cool. The Lord just brought back um, the hymn, Blessed Assurance, when it says, this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Jesus is mine. And I think until we encounter God personally, and sometimes it takes those wrestling seasons. I think a lot of times it takes taking those questions, taking those fears, taking where we're at and like presenting it at the feet of Jesus and 
humbling ourselves and saying, this is my identity, this is how I see myself, so that he can speak true identity over us, that's when God becomes real to us. And that's whenever it's not about, oh, I go to this church because it's where my family always went, or, oh, I believe this because this is what my mom said. It's like, no, this is, this is my faith. This is just me and Jesus. Um, and then the last thing I just want to, I love this verse. It's in Job. It's uh, Job 42.5. It said, I had heard rumors about you, but now my eyes have seen. And it's like, we hear all these things about God, but until we encounter him for ourselves, do they become real and concrete and solidified in our hearts, right? So, Jacob's encounter deepened his understanding of who God was, and in turn, it completely changed his identity and his family, which, like I said earlier, it's a domino effect. So as we understand more of who God is, we then understand more who we are, the identity he's called us into, and then that begins to spill out to our community and the people around us and our families. Um, And so that's the third way that encounter marks us, is that it affects everybody. Um, The less we look like the world and the more we look like Jesus, the more we're pointing people to him, right? And so um, let's jump to verse 30 in Genesis 32. Um, We'll just read that one more time. It says, so Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because of his hip. So Jacob encounters God, and the region gets a new name. If that's not a prophetic picture of what the Lord is doing in this valley, like, I mean, come on, guys. That's just incredible. And I just fully believe in the power of our encounters. I fully believe that as we encounter Jesus, the power that comes from that will change the name of what Salt Lake City is known for, that it will no longer be what it is, but it will be somewhere that when people think of it and they hear of it, they may not even fully realize, but in the spirit, it will be named a place that people come face to face with God. Amen. Um, I think the more that we encounter him, the wider the sphere becomes. And I'm a, I'm a big visual aid person. Like I love, have lots of little things and sentimental value. And my husband might say I'm a pack rat. I, we just moved a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we bought a house in Rose Park. We put down roots in Salt Lake City. Like, we're here to stay. Um, but you don't realize how much stuff you actually have until you have to put your hand on all of it and put it in a box. There was some purging that happened. Anyways, okay, I'm getting off track. I'm a big visual aid person. Um, and I had help from Caleb Pletcher. He put a domino under mostly every chair. So if you look under your chair... There should be a domino. If not, let me know and we'll get more. I may have miscounted. Math's not my favorite subject, but there should be a domino somewhere around the room. Um, And I just encourage you to take this domino as a reminder, like put it in your car, put it on your dresser, uh, put it on your desk at work, just so that when you see it, you remember there's power in my encounters with the Lord. There's power in meeting him. And so the next part would be, okay, how do I, like, practically, what does it mean? Like, how do I be someone who's marked by encounter? What does that look like in my day-to-day life? So we're just going to unpack a few ways that we can encounter the Lord all the time, individually and as a church community. Um, The first one is that, and I think, I think this is the most important one. 
Um, so if we're going to position ourselves to be someone who's marked by encounter, then it has to become a daily practice. And this is probably, it's like, it may be beating a dead horse, but I think if we're not tending our, dar- or tending our garden daily, I have uh, my brother-in-law, he's like an amazing farmer, and he has this garden out in his backyard. And he, every day when he gets home from work, like you can bet Daniel's going to go outside and walk his garden. And he just walks it a couple times, checks on it, makes sure everything looks right, pulls up any weeds he needs to, adjusts whatever. But that's how he keeps his garden beautiful, right? And so we have to tend our garden daily. Um, the, I mean, the Bible doesn't recount every single time that the Lord or that Jesus went to the Lord, but we know that he did it. We know that, he's, that he was stealing away every moment he could to tend to his garden and to meet with the Lord and to encounter him, right? Um, the second way is that we might need to rearrange some furniture. I think whenever you're in a room and the, the furniture's off or it doesn't fit or it's like, this chair would actually work better in this corner or this couch would, this couch would be better on this wall. We're figuring that out now as we, like, you know, nest our, our new space. But it's like you can tell whenever the room's off. And I think some of us might need to rearrange some furniture so that... Our, li- our single pursuit in life is daily encounter with Jesus, right? Um, another thing I want to say, because this is a big one for me, I think a lot of times I got, or still do, just get caught up in what I like to call the peaks versus plains moments. And I don't know if you've ever driven through Texas. It's a lot of flat just pasture, a lot of cows. I feel like any time we went on a road trip growing up, it just seemed like we were never going to get out of Texas. Like it was just the same field over and over and over for hours. And, but then all of a sudden it's like you're through it and you're where you are headed and you're where you're going. And I just feel like the Lord said to not diminish the time spent in the plains because that's what gets you to the peaks. And now having lived in both, having lived in flatland and now living in the mountains, like I prefer the mountains. Like, I, you know, they're, they're amazing. But we need both. We have to have both. Um, and I, I think we just have to believe, A, that not a single moment goes unnoticed by God, um, that the quiet, still moments that might seem lackluster, like they're seeds in our vineyard, and that we'll reap the fruit one day of the moment and the decision we make each day to encounter Him. Um, I listened to a teaching by Kim Walker one time, and she says, one day I will live in the fruit of this moment. So right now I'm chasing to worship him despite how I feel or what I believe. There will come a time in my life that I'll live in the fruit of this decision that I'm making right now to worship him and press into him despite what's going on. And so, yeah, just don't diminish the moments in the plains because that's what gets us to the peaks. And we go from glory to glory, but there's so much that happens in between. Um... The next one is probably obvious, but worship. For me, ever since I was a little girl, worship has always been the place that I knew if I could just get in his presence and I could just turn on a worship song like, and just focus on Jesus like I knew he would come. I knew he would be faithful. And so I think sometimes we don't know what to say. We don't, like, life may be hard that day or that week or that month, And it's okay if we don't know what to say. Like, if we can just have truth being sung over us, like, his presence is there. His word says that 
he inhabits the praises of his people. So if we begin to sing and we begin to lift up praise, like he inhabits those and he's near and he's close. And um, yeah, his presence is, it's just the best. It's the best place to be. Um, his word says that in his presence, there's fullness of joy and pleasures evermore. And so if we can just get ourselves in his presence and we can just encounter him, it doesn't have to be this big, shining, crazy, loud moment. Just his presence is enough. That's the goal for encountering him. Um, he's always the goal. It's not, it's not even, it is a domino effect, but it's not even so that X, Y, Z happens. Like the goal is literally just to be near, just to be with Jesus. And then everything else is an overflow. Um, and I think worship is an incredible avenue to accomplish that. Um, the final thing that I want to say is just the importance of honoring your encounters. And um, one of my life verses is Psalm 103, verse 2. It says, may I never forget the good things he does for me. And I think if we choose to document our encounters, then in the moments whenever we begin to doubt his faithfulness or we forget that God showed up just a month ago in this scenario, why wouldn't he do it again? If we honor our encounters with him, it's like a history book of his faithfulness. And years ago, the Lord, when he gave me this verse, he told me that the walls of our secret place are paved with reminders of his faithfulness and that we have to frequent our secret place in order to look around. And he gave, the, the vision he gave me was this like teepee. And it was like, I looked up and there was just papers all over every nook and cranny where I had written down things that he had done and ways that he had shown up and ways he'd been faithful. So we just, we have to honor our encounters because in the moments whenever we're trusting there's going to be fruit and we're trusting that we're going to see um, the reward of that moment, sometimes it's hard to, like when you can't see it, it's hard. And so what those, what honoring our encounters does is just proves to us again and again, he's going to come. He, he did it again. Why wouldn't he do it now? Right? So, three ways that we are marked by encounter. As we encounter him, it deepens our understanding of God. It gives us a new identity and a new walk in Christ, and it affects those around us. Um, so that's all that I have. I, I just want to pray over us um, and kind of just, Chris is going to come up, but I just want, I don't know, I just, I really feel like today is, just a chance for us to put a stake in the ground and to commit to seeking encounters, to be people who seek encountering his presence at every turn in every way possible. Like I said in the beginning, because of the price he paid, we have just endless opportunities to encounter him. And I don't want to miss a single one. And I think that you guys would say the same, like we don't want to miss a single chance to meet with Jesus and a single chance to be close to him and to enjoy the reward of his nearness. Um, so if you want to stand with me, and I think the worship team is going to come up and I'm just going to pray over us. Um, yeah. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the miracle of your nearness. Thank you that because of the price that you paid and the debt that you paid, we have full access, complete clearance, like room to every, or um, access to every room in the house. God, we just thank you for that. 
And I just ask, Lord, that you just ignite a fresh passion in our hearts for your presence. God, that you would remind us of the joy and the pleasure that comes from being in your presence. God, I just ask that as we encounter you, that our um, understanding of your character and your nature and who you are would just only deepen. God, give us eyes to see new things about you. God, I thank you that you're not boring, that you're fresh and new, and that you're a living, breathing God who flows every day. God, just give us eyes to see that. Make us more aware of your presence. God, I just ask that if there are people here who need new identity spoken over them, Lord, that just right now your Holy Spirit would begin to do that. That our true identity and who you are, God, would just flood our thoughts and our minds, God, that we would, um, that it would just be solidified in us, that you would become the God who's real to me, the God who's real to us, that it would be just concrete, not my father's God, not my grandfather's God, but my God, the God who's faithful to me, the God who's close to me. And then God, I just, I just ask that our hearts for this city would just be stirred, Jesus, that we would know because we've experienced the closeness, because we've tasted it, God, we can't help but share it. We can't help but spill it out. God, that that power of the encountering you, God, would never be forgotten and that it would be so precious and dear to us that we couldn't help but give it away. God, I just ask for boldness over every single heart, myself included, God, that we would be bold in sharing you. We would be bold in inviting people to the table, inviting people in to experience your nearness, Jesus. God, we just want more of you. I just ask that we would be marked as a people of encounter. God, that it would be so evident on our lives and that we could just point people back to you and welcome people to your feet. Show them that they have full access, that when they step up to the face scanner, the door opens for them too. God, we just speak that over this valley and over this church body. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Incredible, incredible, incredible word. Hallie, thank you so much. We're going to respond. We're going to take about the next 10 minutes.